listening to Resonance 104.4 FM, The Art of Listening. This is The Bike Show on Resonance 104.4 FM, and this is a bit of a serious show. Um, it's about the death on the roads of London as a consequence of cyclists involved with collisions with heavy goods vehicles or lorries or trucks or vans. Awful things that's been happening on the streets of London this year is a definite uptick in the number of cyclists who are being killed or seriously injured in collisions involving heavy goods vehicles. And this is a huge problem. And to discuss the problem with me for the next half hour is Mr. Barry Mason. Welcome to the Bike Show, Barry. Hello, Jack. Good to be here. And we also have down the line... Cynthia Barlow, who is the chair of Road Peace. I'm just getting a uh, beat there, Maria. Uh, well, we'll try and reconnect her. Um, Barry is the chair of Southwark Cyclists. When did you start being aware of this problem? I mean, looking back over the years. Uh, ever since I've been cycling in London, I've always been aware of it. Um, and known quite a few people that have been hit or killed even by it uh, but recently I think it's heightened because as road deaths on the roads in London particularly and all over the UK fall to all-time lows um, bike deaths are spiking spiking upwards and that's got to be stopped and you were recently at the inquest at the Southwark coroner's court Can you tell me about that that was last week yeah a woman I didn't know um, she worked at Guy's Hospital lived in Crofton Park um, family woman, um, a, a Vietnamese woman called Na Dieppe, got killed um, by a lorry, um, junction of Ilderton Road and Rutherford New Road in March on her way to work one morning she was going from Crofton Park to Guy's and she got killed by a skip lorry um, and it was such a typical, typical tragedy um, as that when I heard because I kept in touch with the police at the inquest was scheduled for last week, I took the day off and went and took notes and learnt a lot um, in, in a terribly, in a sort of tragic, sombre way. Um, but I thought the lessons were worth learning. And I've written them up and worth, I think all cyclists should read them, actually, he said pompously. They are very detailed notes, and it does give a flavour of how these things are, are considered. Um, if you hear any noise in the background, um, it's Maria trying to bring in Cynthia down the line. And um, Cynthia, do we have Cynthia? No, we've got, just got a buzzing noise. Um, so while we try continue to get Cynthia um, Maria trying valiantly with the telephone um, against the uh, the technical gremlins this evening, what was the verdict? And, and were you surprised? 
I think the whole court was surprised, um, but they're not surprised. Uh, the verdict was um, the technical term for which the coroner apologised. It's the only one she had in the in the sort of legal lexicon. Was a verdict of accidental death, and she actually it's worth knowing this. She actually apologised to Nas' partner um, because she said an awful lot of people, including me, Barry, think that um, the word accident trivialises these things. Accidents are when trees fall on you or when planes fall out of the sky for no reason. Um, but there's always a reason. Um, an accidental death kind of infers that it wasn't anybody's fault or no one's problem, but there was a major problem there. Um, she had several options of verdict. Uh, the police, the prosecutor, well, the potential prosecution, everybody said that was the right verdict because the driver whose lorry killed her, there's no doubt about that, um, didn't do it on purpose, was completely unaware that she was there, just turned left at traffic lights, squashed her against some railings, she fell under the railings and was killed by the back wheels of the lorry. Horrendous detail, horrendous stuff. Um, and it was an accident. Um, for which, again, the, the coroner apologised for use of the term, but because the driver hadn't seen her at all, um, she could only come to that conclusion. And she stressed again and again, um, and for lay people like me, it's important to realise that the inquest is not a trial. It's simply about finding out precisely who got killed and when and how. Um, not any reasons, not any, culp any blame or possibility. But I believe that because of that verdict, the police are going to back off um, in their investigations and also in deciding whether or not to prosecute further. This was a skip lorry, right? Yeah, and there, there seemed to be some of the worst, along with um, cement mixers um, and, other, and other kinds. And it seems to me that a lot of the problems to do with the hardware is a matter of getting um, people up to the best level of the best practice. And I know this is something that um, various people are talking about, but it's hard to see where the teeth come in. And it, it always seems like whoever you ask, the, the story ends with the Department of Transport, and, and that's a bit of a brick wall. Is, is, is that fair? There's a, there's a lot of stuff in there, and I think one of the things that cyclists in, in general and um, London Cycling Campaign everybody else should push for um, is much better uh, recording statistics, much better facts surrounding every single incident of this case. You know, anecdotally, I'll say to you now that of the nine or ten cyclists killed by lorries in London this year, um, they've all been killed by skip lorries. Now, is that true? That I think that's true. Um, I don't think any have been killed by state-of-the-art Tesco lorries. They've all been killed by skip lorries. Um, and allegedly, one would say, all of those drivers are on piecework. They get paid £30 a skip or whatever. They're not on salary. Um, they are, like motorbike messengers, um, paid to work fast. Um, now, is that appropriate? Um, and again, do those skip companies fit lorries with the latest safety gear? They certainly don't, because the economic skips of Mercury Deptford lorry that killed NAR didn't have side guards, for example. Um, and I was amazed that lorries don't have to have side guards. Skip lorries don't have to have side guards. They're the guards you see between the pairs of wheels to stop cars, motorbikes, cyclists, pedestrians going under the lorry. They're supposed to bounce you off and away. Um, and all lorries should have been fitted with those um, that hit the road after the 1st of April 1984. So most lorries have had them for 24 years, but skip lorries have always been exempt for some crazy reason about, in the old days, skip lorries used to go on uneven building sites and um, the building sites were so awkward. And I was speaking to the Road Haulers Association last week, and it's a crazy anomaly that needs to be rectified. The best firms, though, the best skip firms, opt in when they buy new lorries. They're only 400 quid a pair, and they buy side guards. But this firm didn't, and we'll be asking them why they didn't. 
Let's and see why they haven't it, since. Now, do we have Cynthia? Cynthia, are you there? Yes, Fantastic. I am, yes. Well, I'm sorry about the uh, technical problems of getting in you, but finally you're with us. Now, let me introduce you. Cynthia is the chairwoman of Road Peace, um, the national campaigning organisation that pushes for basically reducing, eliminating the enormous number of road deaths that there are um, each year on the on on the roads and streets of Britain and not just not just London. Uh, welcome to the bike show. Thank you. Have you noticed this year something different going on in, in, in the in either the number of incidents, the coverage of them or anything like that? Or, or is this very much continuing on something that's been going on for, for years? Uh, the numbers are about the same, but the atmosphere is changing. There really is a very much more interest in this problem and a very much greater awareness that they are not inevitable, that you can do something, you can prevent these things happening, and we should be preventing them happening. Because the situation at the moment that we tolerate deaths on this scale is just appalling, and we shouldn't. And you have a, a, a personal... Well, you, you came into it. I mean, you're obviously campaigning for for road peace, but you you have a personal connection with the with the whole issue. Uh, yes, I do. My daughter was killed in the city in 2000. Uh, she was cycling to work along London Wall. She was a very good and experienced cyclist, and there was nothing wrong with what she was doing on the road, as the CCTV images showed. But then a concrete mixer lorry um, turned left and mowed her down and she was killed instantly. Um, and I was just appalled at the way I was then treated by the criminal justice system. I had a coroner who couldn't even be bothered to be polite, a real farce of a trial. And I just thought, I'm not willing to let my daughter be treated like a piece of casually discarded industrial waste along the road to economic progress. She deserves better than that. And so I decided to take up her case with the firm concerned, which was ready mixed then, they're Semex now. Uh, and and you know, I have no complaints. They did treat me in a very polite and civilised way. They did listen to the points that I was making, and they have taken action on the uh, various issues that I raised. And uh, since then, the behaviour of their lorries on the road has been much better. Their lorries have stopped killing people. And now I would like other firms to do what they have done. Uh, if I can just say briefly what they've done, in addition to the uh, extra mirrors on the left side, um, there's also um, proximity sensors down the left-hand side of the vehicle because statistically it is the left turn which is the problem. And the Semex lorries now have got four proximity sensors down the left-hand side, one at the front, one at each end of the side guard and one at the back. And when the driver indicates to turn left, that activates the sensors, uh, which will trigger an alarm in the driver's cab to make him aware that there's somebody alongside and also let him know which proximity sensor they're alongside and also activates a voice box which says caution truck turning left so that everybody knows what the lorry is about to do because it is misleading to somebody on the inside if the lorry suddenly pulls out to the right they think the lorry is turning right when actually they're turning left and so it's just to make that clear with extra audible warnings and also an audible warning to the driver in the cab that there is someone there alongside him. Yeah, because it definitely does seem to be left-turning HGVs that 
left-turning lorries that is the problem, um, the biggest problem. I think there have been nine or eight deaths in London this year so far, and I think it's at least half of them or, or, or possibly all of them are, are associated with left-turning HGVs. I mean, the issue has been in the news more, that the Evening Standard has pushed it, um, and, it's, and it's been on the uh, broadcast media as well. And the politicians are are sort of stepping up and responding. And, and I went along to City Hall earlier today to speak with um, Val Shawcross, who is a member of the London Assembly, and she chairs the Transport uh, Scrutiny Committee of uh, the London Assembly, which basically oversees uh, Transport for London. And she's tabling on Wednesday a motion that will um, be put before the, the, the 25 members of the London Assembly. And I, I started by asking her um, what it was um, that had brought her into this um, into this issue. So if, if we listen, if you, Cynthia, you hang on the line. Yeah. Now we've got you. We don't want to lose you. Yeah. So hang on, <laughs> hang on the line while, while, while Val Shawcross explains um, where she's coming from on this issue. I've spent eight years chairing the fire brigade in London and, uh, you know, a very important role I felt and, and I took it very seriously. And there are about 50 fire deaths a year in London that we want to avoid. When I shifted over to look at the transport brief, I think what shocked me was the, the massive numbers of deaths and injuries we have on our roads in London. Um, and some are other because they're deemed accidents or private events or personal tragedies or um, they're happening between private vehicles sometimes. They're not seen as a matter so much of public policy and public concern. And, um, you know, we're spending £450 million running an excellent fire brigade in London to save deaths from fires. And there's about 50 deaths a year in fires in London. Um, and I'm looking at the uh, road accidents happening and they're clocking up incredibly quickly. Now, you know, we've got to shift priority towards looking at these deaths. Uh, they are preventable. Uh, this is a simple thing that we could be doing and uh, it's time that we actually uh, applied as much moral outrage uh, as we rightly do to knife crime in London uh, to road deaths um, just because there isn't any malice involved in in these deaths doesn't mean uh, that we shouldn't be outraged by them and and I think that's uh, one of the things I was hoping to the point I was trying to make in this motion uh, that actually we should all be really shocked about this and, 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 and do something about it. We hope we'll get all party agreement on this. It's not, I think, a political football. If anything, it's an issue that uh, when pressed, people say that's sensible. You know, why aren't we doing that? It's about raising the, the uh, awareness of the issue. And in that motion, we're basically asking the Department for Transport to get on with a faster implementation of the EU directive demanding safety or, or blind spot mirrors, I think they're called on HGVs uh, in the UK, and also not to differentiate between old vehicles or new vehicles. They, they, they are all potential killers. Um, and we're also asking TfL to do what it can uh, to publicise best practice TfL have started doing a, a lot of work on publicising Fresnel lenses, which stick on the passenger window and which are very helpful. Um, but I think they could probably be doing more uh, to 
press for HGV companies to install uh, these mirrors. Ideally, we want every, everywhere to have them, not just London, the, the rest of the country. So the idea of doing what Paris has done and banning the biggest 18-wheelers from the central area, that's not on the agenda in your view? I think that's something can be looked at. I mean, um, you know, we're in a a state of change, I think, in transport policy in London. Um, It's not clear where the mayor is going to take a number of issues. Um, Personally, I think the uh, congestion charging uh, system we have at the moment is probably ripe for a review, but ripe for a review looking at broader issues like environment and air quality and and safety um and i you know would like to see that done we on the transport committee haven't done the research yet that would make me feel confident about saying something as as bold and as bold as that um however you know we've got an issue here where it's a relatively straightforward issue it's not uh, expensive it's not difficult the public authorities have already already accepted that it would be a safe thing to do so the question we're asking is since people are dying right now almost every week we hear about a cyclist being uh, killed by a hgv which has got a blind spot and misses them um you know why don't we get on with it and do it now? The case is established, the technology is there, let's just get on with it and, and install these mirrors. Is this a matter of you know, the London Assembly lobbying others or, or can you just go ahead and do it from here in City Hall? The big power holder and decision maker on transport is the Mayor Boris Johnson, who now chairs Transport for London, and the Transport for London board and obviously their senior staff. TfL has got, you know, opportunities to educate. It possibly has opportunities to use its low emission zone powers or its congestion charging powers, um, but it can't actually uh, apply safety regulations over and above what the government uh, has. Have you noticed any difference? I mean, clearly you're on the other side of the political aisle from the new <laughs> mayor. Have you noticed any difference in the approach to cycling um, since since May? The mayor makes a lot of sympathetic comments about cycling, which is very hopeful. Um, however, uh, what we haven't seen yet is any strategic direction coming forward. Um, we're waiting for the transport strategy to be reviewed. Um, and I think on the worrying side, both he and his advisor have uh, tried to avoid accepting that there should be a priority of road users within central London. In central London, where road space is in great competition, I think we, the Labour and and the other members of the Assembly, have always said, you've got to say who are the important people. And and from my point of view, it's pedestrians, it's uh, cyclists, it's people using public transport. This, you know, these are the environmental imperatives in central London. Um, And uh, I I think I'm a bit worried that Corvia Ranger, the mayor's advisor and the mayor, seem to be wanting to have it always and say, you know, drivers and and, and cyclists should have equal share of the road space. It's not going to work like that in London. The most efficient thing for London, the best thing for our environment, the best thing for our public safety is that pedestrians and cyclists should come first. Uh, And I think that's a line that, you know, the mayor has really got to clarify in his own mind where he sits on that one. Well, that was uh, Val Shawcross, who is the um, 
London Assembly Member for Lambeth and Southwark. Barry, you're the chair of Southwark Cyclists, so uh, Val is is your voice on the on the London Assembly. What do you make of that? I think she speaks a lot of good sense. I mean, we've always very much liked the sort of hierarchy of, of users of London roads, um, pedestrians have priority, then cyclists and the rest. Uh, and it's a pity that Boris, um, who we got on a bike, we never got Ken on a bike, and I, I'll always praise Boris for doing that. It's a pity that Boris hasn't bought into that straight away. Um, the new team, Culver Ranger and those people, we just don't know this at all yet. It still seems a long time since Boris came in, but we still don't know the team or the way they're jumping. Um, policies haven't gelled yet, but this this transport hierarchy of pedestrians, cyclists and the rest has got to come in. It's got to be repeated from the old days. And Cynthia, do you think that there are parts of government, whether it's at local or or, or city level or or national level, that are most sympathetic and and are are the right places to push? How do you assess assess Um, where we should be directing our our action? Well, I'm particularly interested, for obvious reasons, in uh, construction industry vehicles and statistically they are disproportionately involved in the most serious collisions. I'm talking about the rigid axle vehicles, concrete mixers, skip lorries, tipper lorries. Those sorts of vehicles are disproportionately involved in the most serious collisions. And it's them I'm particularly thinking about. Uh, Could I make three quick points? First of all, health and safety powers. At the moment, if somebody is killed on a construction site, there's a reporting procedure that slots into the place. The, the police do this, the employer does that, the health and safety executive do something else. You know, the procedure is set out. If somebody is killed by a construction industry vehicle not on the building site, it doesn't happen. So there's no pressure on these firms to instigate their own health and safety uh, reviews, so which should compel them to look at what's happened, why it's happened, and what they can do about it. And at the moment, that pressure isn't there, and it should be. Secondly, I do think we ought to be using our economic power here. Um, there's not a lot of building work around at the moment. House builders are going out of business. I really do think that the big construction projects in London, like the Olympics, Crossrail, whatever, The big construction projects, if people want work on them, then the the construction firms, the operators, should use their um, procurement procedures to say, in that case, obey the law. And if you don't obey the law, you don't get the work. Because there is a high degree of criminality involved here. We're not talking about innocent law-abiding drivers having a momentary lapse in concentration. We're talking about um, habitual illegality in terms of either the driver or the load or the vehicle, often foreign registered vehicles, sadly to say. So we just need to make sure that the the public sector projects which can give work to these firms insist that they obey the law. I mean, we have got the mother of all public sector construction projects going on right now in London, up in northeast London and all around the capital with the Olympics. Um, What is happening with the Olympics? Because that must be, you know, something that it's it's, it's almost like uh, an open goal there for this campaign because the British Olympic team brought back so many cycling gold medals from Beijing and cycling is going to be a core part of uh, the Olympics and, and and the medal winning strategy and also the transport strategy. But, you know, if we're if we're having 12 gold medals and 12 dead bodies between now and 2012 that's just absolutely unacceptable 
absolutely it's unacceptable. And, and actually that was one of the reasons for the um, Olympic Delivery Authority uh, starting a campaign of their own on, on the 1st of October. The police had done a, a, a series of random checks on vehicles making deliveries to the Olympic site. And, and they did reveal a very high level of just the criminality that I've mentioned. Criminal behavior in respect of either the driver or the load or the vehicle. I mean, this is absolutely unacceptable. And so that was why the Olympic Delivery Authority organized this campaign beginning on the 1st of October, involving um, VOSA and the police and so on, telling drivers that uh, if, if they've got something illegal, that it is illegal and to sort it out. But, and at the moment, it's that kind of educational process that's going on. Fine, but I hope that we will get to a point in the not-too-distant future when we get to the enforcement phase and start saying to these drivers, if you're not legal, you don't get the work. We can be much tougher about that. And could I just add a point about the mirrors? Um, at the moment, uh, there's a, a front-facing mirror which shows the driver uh, what's immediately in front of him, particularly on the passenger side, where it is difficult to see people in these high vehicles. It's not compulsory. It's not part of the European regulations for those, vehicle, uh, those mirrors to be fitted. But I do think we should give consideration to that. One of the recent um, cyclist deaths in London was a, a, a lady who was actually pushing her bike, but she is a, still a cyclist. She was pushing her bike across the road and she was pushing the bike in front of a concrete mixer lorry which rolled forward and killed her. Um, and so <laughs> this is why I'm saying we need to think about making that extra front-facing mirror also compulsory somehow. Yeah, that's all, all very good points. Now we are reaching the last five minutes of, of, the, of the show and one of the things that strikes me cycling around London is the feeling that even though there's a lot more people riding these days, the average level of road competence of London cyclists seems to be lower than it was five years ago. I mean, that might be a controversial thing to say, but it, I think it's because of all the new cyclists. And there must be things that people can be told to do or, or reached out to, but without falling into a blame the victim mentality. When you're leading rides, Barry, what, what do you do? I think you're right. I think it, the, the numbers are going up partly because of the huge numbers of more new cyclists on the roads, and that's to be applauded and that's to be encouraged. Um, but we always tell cyclists, particularly new ones, particularly, particularly new ones, to stay the hell away from lorries. Don't go inside them. Stay away from the front. Stay away from the back. If you can overtake them, overtake them at once and just get out of their bloody way because they're, they're huge. They'll squash you. You haven't got a chance if you're anywhere near them. And Cynthia's point earlier about watching the front of the lorry, don't do that because a novice will see a lorry, the cab going right. That's only so he can go out and turn left around the bend in front of you. Don't watch the lorry. Just stay away from the thing. And how about the design of bicycle lanes and the forward stop boxes, you know, the advanced stop lines that have a, often a little feeder that goes into them? I mean, to me, that is putting the cyclist at probably the most dangerous place in front of a lorry which is on the they're front very, at the left those those little lanes up inside into advanced cross lines are very very seductive they're little channels that people can't resist you can see that it's a fast way to get ahead of the traffic queue but do you know do you know why they're there Fine. they're there to get you to the front of the traffic well, queue. well they're also there for a legal reason which is that if they weren't there cyclists wouldn't be allowed to pass a stationary row of vehicles they have to be there so they're sort of luring you into the front left portion of the uh 
stop box, which is exactly where you don't want to be. How, how, do, you, how do you become a cyclist who is willing to move out in front into the centre? What, what, what's the mental posture that has to be you've, adopted you've there? Got to be, you've got to be more assertive. You've got to be suspicious of vehicle, other vehicles all of the time. You've just got to get out of the way. You've got to get in front of them. Don't ever, ever go up the inside if they're moving or they've got a chance of moving. Just get out of it and stay out of it. Um, there's a lot to be said, I think, and this is another thing we should start working on, about allowing cyclists to turn left at traffic lights whenever they like. Not to jump them, but just have a special phase, you know, not to have them all stood there. Why? Uh, uh, Cynthia, do, do you have you know, any insights into what can be done in terms of the way people ride their bikes, both in terms of what they choose to do and also in ter- terms of the way that roads are designed uh, f- to be ridden on? Well, we certainly haven't got it right yet. I mean, the problem with having all the um, cycle lanes on the left-hand side is, is that that's where cyclists instinctively go and and that then is a problem if a heavy lorry overtakes them it's not their fault they're on the inside of it but that's what's happened Um, and so yes sometimes they have got to be more assertive and get out of the way and get into the front Uh, but but i still think that the greater responsibility in terms of making themselves as safe as possible does lie with the vehicles which can do the most damage so, yes, of course, yeah. cyclists have a responsibility for making themselves as safe as possible. And, yes, do think about these uh, backward-facing mirrors and all this kind of stuff. Wear all the proper gear. Do all of that. But at the same time, we must insist that the lorries which can do the most damage have the most responsibility in terms of making themselves safe as regards other road users. Well, you're both great advocates, Cynthia and Barry, for this cause. And we've just got a couple of minutes left if you're wanting to leave people who are listening to this show, which is a sombre topic, a bit uh, depressing and, and upsetting in, in many ways, but if you want to give people something to do, what would it be, Cynthia? Uh, well, there are a lot, of, a lot of legal changes that need to happen. First of all, there's the health and safety thing. But uh, what, what, like can, what can people actually do? To, to, what, what, what physical steps? Is it a matter of writing a letter or signing a petition? Uh, or? Uh, and lobby their MPs uh, and um, also lobby for changes in the law relating to victims. Because at the moment, uh, the government gives multi, multi millions of pounds to victim support, but the current victim support mandate excludes road traffic victims. Uh, they also have the power, the magistrates have the power to, when they're fining somebody for an offence in a court, they can add £15 to the fine to go towards victim support services, and it's called the victim surcharge. And at the moment, most of the money being raised for that is from people who've committed road crimes, like speeding, but currently none of it is earmarked to go for road crash victims. Please, can we change that and start seeing people who are victims of road crime as just as much crime victims as other sorts of crime victims. Barry? Let those new very, very, very tough construction regulations affect what happens on the road as well as on the building sites. Go downstream, attack all of the suppliers, including the skip lorries that are delivering to the Olympic sites. You won't get those until the legislation goes right the way downstream through that supply chain onto the roads. What's going on here? Well, that is the uh, end of a slightly technologically afflicted uh, edition of the bike show. And we have one uh, last message from Val Shawcross, a quick 20 seconds showing that writing to your elected representative does work. Barry, Cynthia, thank you for joining me on the bike show. This is Resonance 104.4 FM. 
as an assembly member, I've got 290,000 people in my own constituency and there's seven and a half million around London. Um, but I can tell you when you get a letter or an email from somebody that says, look, here's some facts, people are dying and there's a simple way of preventing most of these deaths, you do sit up and scratch your head and think, what can I do about this? Keep winding, winding, adding, 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 and you get a beautiful sort of like grape-like set of onions. 